Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Billy Howard. She's the author of We Commerce, How to Create, Collaborate, and Succeed in the Sharing Economy. Welcome, Billy. Good to have you with us. Thanks so much for having me. So first off, tell us, what do you mean by the sharing economy? Well, since 2008, when the world fell apart, there's been this massive shift in power. You know, a lot of it had to do with the democratization that occurred, everyone having a voice from technology, but also the massive distrust that the public globally had in the few who used to rule the world. So we've had this massive shift from the, you know, the power held by the few to the many. And as a result of that, collaboration has been at the, you know, the core of everything in culture as well as commerce. So the book really aims to capture this massive paradigm shift and explain to people, you know, how it's going to impact them and also provide them with massive opportunity. How is it impacting us as we speak? Well, I mean, our whole world has changed. I mean, most, most particularly, I think that we see a level of culture and commerce colliding that we've never seen before. So there's this artistic bend where everyone has an opportunity to share their story and use their creativity. We're in an economy that's driven by entrepreneurialism and creativity at levels we've never seen before. So, I mean, I think that's one part from the standpoint of, you know, how you can live your life, be an entrepreneur, and potentially move away from looking at just being a professional to being your own self-starter, your own entrepreneur. So there's a lot of different differences that we're seeing on the professional front. Also, on the personal front, there's just this massive level of convenience. Right. You know, the sharing economy has ushered in a variety of micro-economies, I like to call, the on-demand economy, the access economy, you know, all different types of apps and platforms that are enabling people to come together and, you know, experience luxuries that they never had before, whether it's Airbnb and hotels, Uber with, obviously, luxury transportation, TaskRabbit, which is basically anyone can come and help you with a day-to-day task. So it's really just a massive shift in the way we live, work, and play. Okay. So how would you say that's a reflection, though, of from e-commerce to we-commerce. It's a very, it's a clever play on words, by the way, very, very unique. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I don't really think that it, they're connected. I, we just wanted to really put a stake in the ground that we-commerce is as big of a milestone, a paradigm shift in the global economy as e-commerce was. So just like we saw technology become the critical driver of not just infrastructure, but business globally, it's a strategy component. It's not just, you don't just use technology to connect, you mm-hmm. use technology to succeed. You know, if you put collaboration in place of technology, you understand the massive thrust that one needs to have upon that to be innovative and truly lead. So tell us more about the shift. You're saying 2008 was sort of the, the point, or the, the tipping point where everything changed. What were we doing prior? We weren't collaborating as much. It wasn't as easy to collaborate. It's a different mindset. Yes, I mean, it was a very singular mindset. You know, the big companies, you know, were able to be as big as they wanted because they traded on their legacy and they traded on their size and they traded on their heft. And those were all great things. And they didn't really look at a community and collaborative approach to product development. They didn't create cultures which rewarded talent and ideas and innovation and creativity throughout an entire organization. It was a very, this is what we're doing, 
I say you follow type of attitude. And everything has changed mm -hmm. since then, whether, as I said, you're outside of a company as a consumer, you know, you can collaborate with brands that are ahead of the curve to build the products of tomorrow. You can share your stories. You can be a brand, if it is executed correctly today, is not something that interrupts life's programming. It's something that becomes a part of life's programming. And big brands are not only using those techniques to connect and engage with consumers, they're also using that to transform how they do business themselves. So why do you think it's been so successful? I mean, do you think wherever there's going to be another shift where we go away from the Wii? You know, things kind of are cyclical. What, what's your prediction? I think that we've only scratched the surface on the Wii. I think that, you know, for the, I guess, the first several years after 2008, you know, up until probably early this year or late last year, we hadn't really seen big companies get in the game. There was kind of a distinct line between sharing economy companies or collaborative economy companies. Uh, I say collaborative because a lot of people have objection to the word sharing. It was really sharing economy companies versus traditional models. And as, you know, 2015 came to a conclusion, you know, we saw Hyatt, for example, get in the game and launch one fine stay to compete with Airbnb. We saw Absolute create a local distillery program to really invite local entrepreneurs who wanted to brew their own spirits. So we saw those two lines blurring. In 2016, we saw a massive investment by GM into Lyft of $500 million. We've also seen Ford at um, World Congress announce the entire future of how we move in autonomous cars and shared leasing programs. I mean, it's just a massive shift that we're seeing. We're also seeing it with big companies creating platform models like GE and John Deere and Nike. So I think we've really only begun to see the power of we. From your point of view, your POV, who, who's done it, who's executed this the best? To be honest with you, oddly, the transportation companies that uh -huh. are taking the ball and running with it because they realize that the sharing economy, again, is not just a matter of convenience or something small about taking a car at the drop of a hat or, you know, staying in someone's home in San Francisco. It's really about leveraging the power of technology to change the way that business is done and what you can offer your consumers from an engagement standpoint on a day-to-day -day basis. So just to back up for a second, and then when you talk about the 2008 financial crisis and that kind of changed the game. So in terms of launching, you know, this whole sharing economy, was it just the shift in, in technology specifically or what, what was the catalyst? Well, I think, again, the catalyst was this loss of trust. Okay. You know, the entire sharing economy is built off of trust between peer to peer, not between peer and big government or big business. Okay. And, you know, if you look at what was responsible for the massive, it wasn't just a destruction of our world here. It was something that rippled across the entire globe. And the two things that drove that were the hubris of big business and the hubris and insularity of thought of government. Right. So people were like, screw you. I'm not listening to you or you. I want to I wanna do it on my own. Own, and I want to do it with my peer and gotcha. I want we can come together and make a better tomorrow and that's what this movement is really about yeah and it is a movement I'm just trying to think back who, who was one of the first who sort of took the lead back in 2008 was it uber I mean who were some of these first companies that started we started to see the shift in real time Airbnb to Airbnb, me is, right. is really the pioneer yeah. I mean everything that they did is textbook for what's going on they were the first brand to really instigate this massive shift from the idea of ownership to borrowing right that's fundamental has changed the way we live. Millennials, people below them, Generation Z, they're not interested in owning possessions. They're interested in sharing them and borrowing them and using resources together to have a better world. Airbnb began yeah, the game. Yeah, they set the tone, yeah. And they also created their model out of necessity and through the lens of disruption. You know, there was a massive conference that was taking place in San Francisco, and they had the idea when all of the hotels were sold out in the 
region to create the Airbnb model out of that. And it's thrived since there. It actually, they have more revenues and beds than, than the Marriott. That's it insane. It shows you the scale. Um, you know, the other yeah. thing is a shift in ideology. I mean, I think if you saw what happened with Occupy Wall Street, uh, or even, you know, a, a little bit of a tense issue, but Arab String, it's just the, the power of coming together and using technology to put forth a shared voice that comes from the people and through the lens of democracy, as opposed to, you know, some of the autocratic ideas that we've seen in the past. Sure. But who is the target of your book? Who, who is the person that, you know, that can benefit most from these chapters? Well, that's what that's what's great about it is I think it can really benefit anyone. I mean, I think it can benefit a chief marketing officer who's sitting at, at her his or her desk and trying to figure out how do I create meaningful conversations and engage with, with my customers? Because today, people by price point, the offerings are not that different. If you're going to spend $35,000 on a car, a Toyota or a Lexus, the car itself is not going to be that different. What's going to be different is the brand experience, how it engages you, how it excites you, how it inspires you. And that's the type of thinking that you can find in my book, how to use storytelling and collaboration to make a difference with consumers. It's also a great tool and playbook for entrepreneurs that mm -hmm. want to step out of a traditional corporate setting and take advantage of this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to marry a, a passion of yours with technology to not only change your, your life, but potentially provide purpose and value to the world at large. You know, it's for students who are trying to understand what the future is going to look like. You know, there's a tremendous amount of debate around higher education that people are not necessarily being prepared to be innovators and entrepreneurs where some people are looking to apprenticeship in Silicon Valley as opposed to just sure. you know, traditional education. Those, All of those type of ideas of understanding you know, and connecting the dots. There's so many different changes that are taking place and I come from a perspective of bringing all of those ideas together and the quilt that comes out of that, if you right. will, is WeCommerce. Sure, no, I think that's a great uh, analogy. You are connecting the dots because this world of you know, WeCommerce in the sharing economy, there's lots of dots. <laughs> okay. there's a lot and of you, dots. you cover a lot of them. Yes. C Suite Radio. Something that struck me in the book, Billy, I really enjoyed reading about was you say bespoke is the new beautiful. And in the wake of the 2008 crisis, you say small is the new big. So my question is, how do you stay small but reach all? And well, why is small the new big? Well, it's a, it's a great point. And it goes to one of your earlier questions about what really fundamentally happened that, that drove this massive shift. And when you look at the fall of Lehman Brothers, the fall of Wall Street, in essence, it was the too big to fail mentality, which clearly was not worth much because they were too big to fail. Right. They did, mm -hmm. and not only did they impact themselves, they impacted the world, and they, you know, they put the people's future, uh, you know, in jeopardy. So this whole idea of big being better was gone after that. And today, small is the new big. A company, no matter how big they are, right. has to be able to have the agility to turn at the angle of a speedboat as opposed to moving with the lethargy of an ocean liner. And in order to do that, you have to be able to create cultures that are unified and uniform on a grand scale using technology as a connector, but also a builder of collaborative culture. But if you're a big company, are you, think, are you at a disadvantage? I think people think in extremes today, and I don't really think that that's a smart way. It's not an either or. It's okay, kind so of it's like, not, right. yeah, it's kind of like when the media landscape really starts to palpably shift, and people are like, oh, the newspaper is going to be dead. The newspaper is never going to be dead. People said that about radio. We're having a radio renaissance period. The headphone industry is worth eighteen billion dollars, and we're having what I think is going to be a binge listening phenomenon take uh -huh. place. So you can't count anything out. It's just a really a matter of constantly pushing oneself every day to a point of discomfort 
effort to really understand how to find the innovation of tomorrow. And that often involves holding on to things that matter while having the courage to set things free that can enable right. you to fly to, to greater heights. Yeah, there's a lot of great tidbits in the book, but very catchy phrases. You know, you, you talk about pop-up shops, which is really, you know, something that's popped up in the last few years. <laughs> but this example of the shift of DIY to DIT, what did you mean by that? Well, it's really the idea that, you know, when the creativity boom started, it was all about how do we do it for ourselves. So it was the do-it-yourself revolution and everything from, you know, taking advantage of the 3D printing environment to build our own manufacturing hubs from our garages with our computers right. to also, you know, home improvement, real estate, you know, all types of crafts and things like that, which I believe are outlets for people's creativity. Now, because these movements have taken shape individually, they've formed communities and people under different passions come together and unite to do creative things. And I think it's a, it's emblematic of the idea of not just doing something for yourself, but really finding a passion and, and finding the reward in doing it together, not just for the benefit of yourself, but for the benefit of others as well. Billy, what would you say is the biggest takeaway? I truly believe that it sounds simple, and, and it is, but it is complex if you think about the depth in which you can execute this idea. And it's really the idea that we really are moving from the me to the we. And that's not just in something of how you approach life as an individual, you know, it's really how business is done. It's how the world is moving with collaboration at its core. And, you know, people are going to sit and go back and forth and grapple. The sharing economy, it's not really sharing. It's not this. You know what? They're right. Because it's not about sharing. It's about collaborating. And the future in everything that we do, there's going to be collaboration at the core. And that's going to drive success no matter who you are. So real quickly then, how would you pinpoint the difference between sharing and collaborating? Sharing infers an altruistic benefit. And and that, you know what, if the opponents of the movement want to say that, they're correct. So let's take that off the table and say collaboration, because collaboration doesn't infer altruism and that someone's not making a profit. It infers driving success through the idea of that we are all better in the service of the collective we than the singular me. Excellent. Really terrific stuff, Billy. I wish we had more time, but that's why you have to go read the book. Um, it's really so insightful, much. and it's a really interesting take on the forecast into the future. So thank you for being with us. Thanks for such a great interview. All right, and you can check out the book at our website, csweetbookclub.com, c-sweetbookclub.com, to buy the book, find out more about Billy. And thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbell. Thanks. Like what you just heard, visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.